We did it. We did it, Joe. Think about immature things. You know, like, do you love me? Do you want me? Are you gonna call me like you said you would? Is this really your real phone? No. Wait a minute, motherfuckers! Ain't a hood nigga, but a nigga from the hood. See, mama stayed on me, so I turned out pretty good. But if you wanna try, suck a Nike, we can do it. <laughs> Sleep. Calling all PM if I pull it, shit, shit, sheep. Count them for the rest of your life. Yeah, yeah, your partner got away, but now he vegetable like. So, so I send his mom and dad a whole case of V8. He could die any second. How much longer it's gonna take? Gonna get it over with. Oh, what if you were in my lovers then? You might be the dopest. I would flush it down the toilet. Like the boys in blue. When they come through with the moose. And they kicking down the door. And they don't care who they shoot. But we do care who they shoot. So we do what we must do. So we act like we run track. Then we run straight to the back. But they coming from the back. So we run back to the front. They say get down on your knees. We say what the fuck you want. They want cheese. They want bread. They want dough. They want more. They and I wanna give them, but if I keep talking, they won't know that my cousin in the back. And we call him Roller Rooter slash Plumber Cash Runner. And he fight on them computers. Log out. Fuck niggas wanna jack shit tight. No slick. Just bought a Cadillac. Throw some D's on that bitch. Just bought a Cadillac. Throw some D's on that bitch. Just bought a Cadillac. Rich boy said it quick. Fuck niggas wanna jack shit tight. No slick. Just bought a Cadillac. Throw some D's on that bitch. Shout out to Rich Yo, yo, you thought I was actually going to cut off an Andre 3000 verse? No, I'm not going to do that. You know what I mean? I'm not never going to do that. Yo, had to start off with that right energy, man. I was going to get into our podcast, you know, um, keep up the theme. Now, over the past week, a person by the name of David took over the collective consciousness of this nation. His words and action have a far-reaching influence over the direction of the country and the future of the American social political sphere. Oh, wait, you weren't thinking I was talking about comedian Dave Chappelle and his fake cancellation narrative surrounding him. No, I'm actually talking about a much more important Dave who has influence over the country more than you can even imagine. David Shore, a data analyst and political guru, has overtaken the Democratic Party's thinking. In 2020, Democrats put on a full court press for black voters, young voters and progressive voters. And because of this, they won the White House and the Senate, already captioned the the House um, in 2018 based on anti-Trump um, rhetoric. In response, Republicans won in a full-court press of their own by instituting voting laws that look to not only disenfranchise the very voters that brought Democrats the win they so desperately opined for, but to put in place laws that conceivably allow them to steal an election should the results not go how they think it should go. So, of course, Democratic leadership should respond to this chicanery with the bill and initiatives and priorities that will address these things. Enter the infrastructure bill. Wait, what? I used to think about immature things. Like, do you love me? Do you want me? Are you going to call me like you said you would? Is this your real phone number? This is, of course, the soliloquy of black voters, especially during election year. We openly wonder, should we pour ourselves into the politics and essentially save the country from itself? Democrats come around every two years asking black voters to trust them with our political anxiety. When we ask the party leaders to not forget us and our issues and put us at the forefront of all policies, 
Democratic Party, Party leadership, of course, says, yes, we make these promises. And, of course, we just ask you to do one thing in the voting booth. Throw some D's on that voting card and put us in a position of power that would allow this political fortune to happen. After all is said and done, black voters are again left at the altar waiting for the groom to show up. Every time, it's always one reason or the other that provides the excuse of why they keep standing us up. But this time, the issues revolve around a guy named David. Well, who is he? See, David Shore started modeling elections in 2008 when he was a 16-year-old blogger, and he proved so good at it that by 2012, he was deep inside President Barack Obama's re-election campaign. 20-year-old, running with the president, putting together the fabled Golden Report, which modeled the election daily. The forecast proved so spookily accurate that it ultimately predicted every swing state but Ohio within a percentage point and called the national popular vote within one-tenth of a percentage point. Now, math geek data analysts became a hot item for the Democratic Party, with Shore being their golden calf. And he was one of the field's young stars, pioneering ways to survey huge numbers of Americans, you know, doing exper- um, experimental uh, messaging with ads that all benefited the Democratic Party. He was part of that wave that actually hurt um, Hillary Clinton, but we'll get into that later. But however, it was a tweet that changed his career. See, during the protest of the killing of George Floyd, Shore, who had just a few followers at the time, tweeted, Quote, post-MLK assassination race riots reduced Democratic voter share in surrounding counties by 2%, which is enough to tip the 1968 election to Nixon. Nonviolent protests, he noted, tend to help Democrats electorally. Now, online activists responded with this fury to Short's interjection of you know, electoral strategy into a moment of grief and rage. And he was summarily fired by his employer, Civis Analytics, a progressive data science firm. Rightfully so. But... As with all white men in politics, he failed up. For sure, cancellation, traumatic as it was, actually turned him into a young star, and his personal story became proof of his political theory. The Democratic Party was trapped in the echo chamber of Twitter activists and woke people, and it had lost touch with the working class voters of all races, and that it needs to win elections, and even progressive institutions dedicated data and analysts were refusing to face the whole cold hard facts of public opinion that Democrats lacked electoral geography. His data, honestly, his data analyst honestly became so popular that now people within the data-driven Democratic Party oftenly call them shoreheads, to which he has an audience and the pres- we have an audience with the president himself, and he's actually within his brain trust. But why is this important, you ask? Because it is Shore who convinced Democratic leadership that the pathway to continue victory is to woo, woo, woo those moderate Republican, moderate and Republican light voters into, into the Democratic Party. This is done by eliciting policies that are appealable to working class, white working class, I should say, voters, the mythical beast of the Democratic Party. According to Shore, Democrats are on the edge of the electoral abyss, and to avoid it, they need to win states that lean Republican. And to do that, they need to internalize that they are not like or do they have to internalize that they are not like or do not understand the voters they need to win over. Swing voters in these states who are not liberals and not woke enough to see the world as it is. So this is what happens when you put data over people. The politics get dictated and the numbers, you know, start to ignore the human interest. And this is how the Biden administration prioritized the infrastructure bill over anything else, primarily the voting bill. Yes, it's true that data has destroyed the Democrats' political objectives. The numbers have dominated the way we see people and issues. Dems are so desperate to get voters that don't fuck up fuck with them anyway, that they embark on a delusional escapade to recruit right-leaning voters who are still infected with the dewormer called Trumpism. The display has le- left black and progressive voters disgusted. 
It feels like black voters have been demoted, degraded, and displaced. Now, you, have to, you may disagree with my assessment, but you have to admit that it all stinks to high heaven that no amount of political platitude to deodorant overture is going to disrupt the demand that black voters so openly request. We deserve a party that puts our interests above those who don't give a damn about them. Honestly, the writing's on the wall. With the destination that Democrats are heading down is delightful to Mitch McConnell, who absolutely loves a flailing Democratic agenda. A person who loves it, a certain Florida governor also is looking at this and hoping that young progressives and black voters stay home in 2022, thus getting him reelected and marching towards the pathway towards ultimate goal, which is the White House. Of course, I'm talking about Ron the Devil DeSantis in 2024. Now, I just want you all to know that I just gave you all 24 D's in that whole uh, last part. So shout out to Jay-Z with the 22 twos. I didn't even think y'all even caught on to that. But, you know, we're going to get into all that, man. And I just want to say welcome to Uncultured Bias Podcast. I am your host, Kamara Williams. I, you know, I always like to say that culture is a matter of perspective and opinion. And after all, culture is just another way to stay discovered. We are uncultured. We are biased and we are black. Now, thank you for tuning in. As always, if you're on Apple Please rate the episode a five-star rating, leave a message, and just say how much you love the show. Um, if you're Apple and Spotify, we ask that you share. Um, if you're just here, uh, you know, Apple and Spotify, we ask to not only share it with your friends, but share it on social media, too. We always say sharing is caring. Um, now, final ask is that you continue to support our sponsors. This week's sponsor is My Compass Tax Advisors. If you're interested in starting a business, and need to know the difference between uh, LLC or S-Corp, understand the tax consequences, then contact MyCompassTaxAdvisors.com. Uh, you can reach them at 850-273-7193 or MyCompassTax.com. Let them know that you were referred by, of course, Kamar Williams and All Culture Buys Podcast. If you're loca- located in Central Florida in the market for a home or real estate, uh, contact Keystone Global Real Estate at 407-680-8510. And finally, if you're in the market for an estate plan, guardianship, probate, wills, a minor settlement, contact us at Smith & Williams Trial Group. You can reach me at 888-798-4529 or 888-SWTGLaw, CWilliams-SWTGLaw.com. All right. So with all that being said, we're going to ride into our podcast and bring on my man, Jason Henry, bro. What up? My man, what's happening? I know that was a long opening. How'd you feel about that? I mean, you started it off with my boy Rich Boy. That's that's an <laughs> Alabama boy, so I can't I can't be mad at that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I technically started off with Andre three thousand, but well, it, yeah, it, yeah, you know, but it was his it's a Rich Boy track. It but, is a Rich Boy. Whatever happened, to Rich Boy? I don't know, man. That's a good question. But you know what though? You you get a you get a hot sixteen from Andre after that, man. I mean, you good? Yeah, because like, I mean, honestly, who, who's clamoring to hear from Rich Boy? Nobody's nobody, right. Nobody's missing Rich Boy. I mean, same thing. What what happened to Polo? Polo, yeah. Whatever happened to Polo? Don't know. I thought it was good though, man. Um, you know. Did you I, catch the D's I was throwing? Yeah, I did. You did you? Yeah. Okay, I didn't think you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, you know. One one thing I've I've learned by listening to your podcast, being on a podcast, um, is that you know there's always a tie-in. Ah, uh, yeah. To the beginning, so like as I'm scrolling while I'm listening, I'm like, all right, I know this Andre versus here for a reason. Throw some D's is here for a reason. As I'm listening, I'm like, all right, I caught it. I got you. Yeah. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, man, let's get into it, bro. Like, uh, for, of course, Jason Henry's been on our podcast before. Um, this is actually, I think it's going to be our last political cleanser of season one. Unless something happens. Because I'm, I'm going to take a break. And season one. Yeah, this has been. Dope. 
Yeah, I need a break, bro. <laughs> I'm reminding everybody, I am taking a break in November. Um, November, December, and, you know, January. Now, I will come back in the meantime, between time, if there's a topic or an album, Kendrick, that should drop, that mm-hmm. requires me to give requires, like, people, like, pining for it. Like, Kamar, we need you. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. I, hey, I, man, that Kendrick album will do it. I think, well, hopefully. Hopefully. We'll see. We'll see. My my best friend said I have a problem. She said that I'm overly. I've been overly critical of a lot of things lately. Like that's dope. No, I mean she doesn't say it in a good way. She says that I think I that's have, still a good thing. Though. She says that I have. Um, I every I don't like anything. Like well, I I don't give things that they're proper. Like it is what it is, right? But I'm always so we Kendrick. Huh? We Kendrick. Oh, I guess are we Kendrick? Yeah, I mean, no, I'm saying we we are Kendrick. Kendrick. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. you were critical you, of everything. Yeah, you basically. Are, and you know, you don't. You're a nihilist to the tenth Yo. degree. You don't like anything. Um, oh, yes, but she says I, I, you know, with the Drake album, I was like, oh, and then. Okay, but wait. I, okay, I, I know we, we're gonna talk about politics. Yeah, yeah, it's cool, it's but. Cool. Come on, man. Like, Drake has a formula that he has not gotten away from since probably Take Care. Yeah. Where he figured out, especially when it comes to streams. Like, I don't think Drake makes music. He makes music for, to me, streams and TikTok. That's it. So, I mean, yeah, I think everything that he puts out, it needs to be properly. Because, like, I don't think Drake has a classic album. To me, he doesn't. I think some of my friends believe that Take Care is, is a classic, but I just think the album is too bloated. Take care is bloated. I gotta think about that. I do. I do like you know. If you're reading this too late, yeah, I thought that was dope. I don't think it's a classic. It's is that the albums that are mixed? It's his most bar heavy album, though. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, like that's like Drake. Drake is a dope rapper. He puts out some good music, but it's not as if you know we're not gonna get a Drake reasonable doubt. No. You're not gonna get a Drake, good kid, Mad City. You no. know what I'm saying? No, there's no reflective no, in that album. No. It's, it's like there's no. First of all, it, Good Kid, Mad City is not the best Kendrick album. Oh, I think it is. I know. I'm in, I, I know. think it is. Man. I know that that album is. Oh my gosh, The Pimp a Butterfly. I hate that album. <laughs> this is not like, where the protest is supposed to be going. Man, I don't like that album at all. But man. let's. Uh, we're slight detour. What? <laughs> don't. What? Don't, don't like it. Do not like it, man. How do you not like nah. the paper butterfly? No. Nope. This is not a Kendrick podcast, but I need to know. Nah, I just need to man. know why. I feel like he was trying a little too hard to show bugging. Man, I'm I'm just I'm I, nah. I'm about like, to end I this did, podcast. Bro. Yo, I'm just damn is better than oh, the pimple butterfly. I'm, yeah. I'm about to I'm about to I'm about to <laughs> yo, nah, I'm about man. to cut this podcast short. It's about to be a fifteen nah, minute podcast. Like so a, a friend of mine said, "No, nah, that's that's like our what's going on and what's." I'm like, "No, it's you, you not." Were, you were a hater, Jason. No, dog. I'm telling you, Good Kid, Mad City. That's my joint. It's a great album. Love that album. That's Kendrick's best joint. There. It's not. To Pimple Butterfly is his worst. Are you bugging, bro? Worst, man. Do not don't don't put you put that album on. You ever seen that meme? Where they driving, it's a man and woman driving in the car, and the dude says something. Next thing you know, the girl is out the car. Yeah. You put uh, To Pimple Butterfly on, get out my ride, man. I've actually listened to Pimple Butterfly more than Good Kid, Mad City. No, man. I have. And Look, I feel like the... All right. I don't want to get into the deep, because I can, <laughs> I can get into a whole Kendrick thing. 
I just wanted to hear your point of view. I just don't like it. I, I don't. I like, I like my okay. barber. My barber's the same way. He doesn't like to pimp a butterfly. It's not because like so. A friend of mine who's a music music critic. He was like, "Oh, you probably think it's too dense." I'm like, "No, I don't think it's too dense at all." Like, I don't. The subject matter to me is like surface level. Like, I'm just not. I don't view Kendrick in that way. Maybe, maybe that's why I'm not feeling it, where I felt like he was trying to be socially conscious, and I'm listening to it, and I'm like, mm, okay, yeah, all right. I'm trying. I'm biting my tongue, y'all. I Yo, really don't wanna, man, no, nah, man, wanna, that's wanna, worse. I don't want to go into the good kid, Man City. Damn, I'll even take Untitled that had those heavy jazz notes on it over to Pimple Butterfly. I like Untitled, but you're bugging. Mm-mm. Okay, man. I don't want to do this. Don't give me that album, I man. I feel like cutting this podcast off. Yo, if we still have CDs, I would have threw that joint out the window. Oh, uh, you a... Right. <laughs> I'm about to... I'm literally about to hop over the table and punch Yo, you in the face, bro. Would have threw it out the window, no, bro. No, no, Tossed no, no, it. No, no. Would have flipped it with the... Nah, man. You just, get, you, get that joint out of here, dog. Jason, get you, it out. You've done everything to ruin this friendship in the last <laughs> <few> minutes. <laughs> Good kid, Years man. Years of friendship that thrown down the, the one. Thrown out man, the window look, in, in a matter of three minutes. To Pimple but even the title, I remember when they were talking, I was like, man, I can't wait to hear this joint. When he came out with the title, I was like, I already know I'm not going to like it. God, he said, to Pimple Butterfly, I'm like, that ain't deep. Let's move on. Let's go. Let's move on. Because I, I, I really could get go down this thing, and I just, it's <laughs> not where I went to podcast. I to tried go. to even listen to it a few months ago. Jesus I, Christ. Because seriously, Jason, seriously, can we move on? I said, maybe I'm bugging. Maybe I'm tripping. <laughs> Let me listen again. And I was like. Nah, man, turn this off. You remember that South Park episode where Stan was getting older and everything? His dad was like, "Yo, it's, it sound in, like shit." I'm not indulging you. Yo, that's I'm not indulging you. Don't listen to that album. I'm not indulging your bullshit analysis, <laughs> and you just probably just devalued everything you're gonna say post <laughs> because nothing you say at this point is gonna make any sense anymore. Oh because my goodness, you know, you literally just. Took away all your credibility. He had more growth on Damn than he did Pimple Butterfly. I just want to. My friend Robert loves Damn. You've heard Robert Foster. He loves Damn more. I don't love it. it. We're not doing it. Can we just move on? Dope. Can we move on? Just saying. Can we move on? Hey, hey, Robert. I got you, dog. (laughs) Got you. (laughs) Good kid, Man City. Damn. Untitled. To Pimple Butterfly don't exist in my world. You're trash. (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) And. And ladies and gentlemen, and that was a portion of the podcast where <laughs> Jason gives his trash takes right. on music and <laughs> everything about him is trash. Oh, goodness. Your clothes whack. Yo. The, way you, the way you stand, the way you is, stand whack. is whack. <laughs> everything about you is whack. <laughs> oh, my but me, I'm tired as fuck. <laughs> his gear, whack. <laughs> Said, yo, his foot stands whack. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway, back to regularly scheduled program. <laughs> oh God, man. So let's talk about your favorite subject. Yeah. Not involving Kendrick. Uh, Democrats, man. We gotta talk about rap on this podcast one day, man. We do. Yeah. You want what do you mean talking about like like just rap in general? Yeah, what just you, in general. Yeah, I don't mind bringing you on for that. Yeah, we can do that. I mean, I don't like I don't I already don't like your musical opinion. <laughs> we can we can definitely have you on so you can be wrong. <laughs> so Oh gosh, man. All right. All right. Politics. Politics. Politics, politics, politics. Yeah, so you man you man that's uh, you know, telling the party you need to go back to the days of Clinton. 
Yeah, that's okay. what I got from it, basically. Like, so tell me, I, I did my whole opening. I want you to tell me your yeah. thoughts on like David Shore and the Democratic Party and where you think they think they should go. I think they are looking for the days of James Carville and Bill Clinton. Like Carville, Carville, he, he's not <clears throat> he's not a central figure in Democratic politics anymore. But if you remember at one time, like he was the one that was one of Clinton's chief advisors back in the day. Yeah. Um, and Clinton, you know, triangulation and all of that. I, I feel Explain to people what triangulation is. So they, oh, gosh. It's OK. Uh, the, the best way that I can describe it, it was uh, the article you sent me, the cat. He said that, uh, you know, Biden, the images of the Haitians being whipped in air quotes. Yeah. Um, you're sending a signal to, you know, your white voters like, see, I'm not gonna not gonna tolerate this. Right. While at the same time coming out and saying, that's abhorrent, like we, we can't know that that's not who we are. And then you are deporting Haitians. Right. Behind the scenes is not that's not necessarily so it's like, you know, Clinton He did it with the whole thing triangulation and tied in he did it with Jesse Jackson yep. and the bill, crime bill. Sister Soldier. It's Sister Soldier. Mm-hmm. He you know, publicly lashed them and went at them and chided them. But at the same time, he was openly... Recru- um, he was on Arsenio playing the saxophone. Right, and openly, you know, mm-hmm. um, going after black voters as far yeah. as, like, you know, uh, touchstone in certain figures in civil rights and yeah. and in and in um, congressional leaders, openly wooing them as well, yeah. trying to get them on his side. I, so but, it's, trying, it's giving a message of a wink and a nod to mm-hmm. moderate white conservative voters that I ain't really fucking with them like that. And the black voters... You know, at the same time, being like, you know, I fuck with y'all, right? Yeah, you know what I mean. And yeah, so- it's it's I don't, but but you know, I don't think we've had a politician as talented. I'll just say as talented as Clinton. You don't think Barack was talented? Oh uh, no, no. Okay, no, no, no. Let me back. I, yes, Barack was talented, but <clears throat> okay. Let me back up. I don't think Barack could have walked that tightrope because he was he, a black man. He did walk the tightrope. So I don't think, okay, yes, I, I agree with that. But what I mean is in, in terms of where this where this cat is trying to take the party is that, you know, Democrats are led by an old white guy right now. And so you need someone with the type of political talent that Bill Clinton had. I don't. We can't assign that to Biden. Biden isn't that talented. I don't think Biden's a talented politician. I think he was, I, I won't say born, but, you know, I think Democrats voted for him because I'm not voting for Trump. So, and Biden wasn't as far left as Bernie and Bernie was this old Jewish mad guy Mm -hmm. that, you know, reminds you of Rick and Morty and that people weren't comfortable voting for. So like when I say to Rick and Morty reference, I like, yo, so, you know, I don't think it's a matter of, you know, kind of contradicting myself here, but I don't think it's a matter. We don't have the talent. I don't think Biden has that type of talent. To where you can have someone like Clinton who can go on Arsenio. Now, granted, we don't have Arsenio Hall anymore. Someone who can go out, play the saxophone, kiss some black babies, and then go to uh, a prison or go to the front of the governor's mansion with a whole bunch of black prisoners dressed in white talking Mm -hmm. about we're going to reform welfare. And, like, that does nothing to the collective consciousness of anybody. And it's, yeah, Clinton is serving all these different masters. Yeah. I I haven't seen anyone that has that type of... But Clinton has a political savvy, but you know, let's be fair. White men get a, yeah. they they get a um, certain um, 
I guess, room to operate in both worlds mm-hmm. that black people do not get no, to both. No, not at all. Like we have to walk a more of a tightrope. Like yeah. Barack Obama had to walk more of a tightrope, political tightrope, yeah. in order to appease to white voters. Absolutely. So like, it's always a thing, right? So, um, he said it in the the five heartbeats, right? He said, "Why do we always have to be the ones to cross over?" Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. and so like, why don't they always cross over to us? Man, look, there's a. Uh I wish I can remember her name, but she's popular on TikTok and on Twitter. But she is a uh, she's she's black and she's disabled, but she's a communications uh, and marketing professional. Mm-hmm. She is extremely smart. And uh, some girl was talking about how Crocs didn't become popular until black people started wearing them, mm-hmm. and now that white people starting to wear them again, black people like mm, don't really want those. Yeah. But the black women, the black woman goes into detail about how this works. If if you ever watch The Office. <clears throat> There's a scene where Dwight is trying to get my man, uh, man, I can't remember his name, Daryl, trying to get Daryl. Uh, he's like, I know how to run a business. You get black people to like it, and then you get black people not to like it. Like, you get black people to make it popular and cool, then white people start to like it, and then black people are like it's not cool anymore, so I'm not right. going to mess with it. Right. But that doesn't mean it's not popular anymore. Right. So <clears throat> I feel like to that point, it's like, why do we always have to cross over? It's like, well, we. Yeah, we have to because we are trying to simulate into a portion of society that gives us access to a little bit more. And so when we make things popular, it's like, yo, we almost got it like an inside thing. It's I can hear uh, I was at one of our community centers the other day and this uh, black girl had on Crocs and they were like, yo, I need you to go pick something up. And she was like, my Crocs ain't in sport mode, though. And like everybody started laughing because it's like, you know what it is. All you got to do is flip it to the back so you can. And it's like now it's like, oh, you're wearing Crocs. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it, it's almost that way when it comes to how we deal in politics. So Georgia is a is a really good example. You had the good reverend who was running for office, and they were going to give everybody two thousand dollar checks, reverend and it was going to be cool. Yeah, yeah it's going to be cool to vote for the black guy and the white guy, and this kumbaya moment and all of this. Which Warnock was not actually. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. The funny thing about the Warnock story is that when it started off, Warnock was not considered a the ideal candidate. Because no. remember that field had like 12 people, 16, 16 people. And he was not considered the person. Um, and even when he won the prim- that primary, it was always this thing where um, the other candidate, what's his, the other senator? Um, I can't even remember his name. Bro. Yeah. Dwight guy, yeah, Dwight guy. Yeah, he um he was. They thought he was going to be the one that's going to push it, but then it, something weird happened. They started seeing like, well, no, Democratic voters, especially people in, in that Atlanta metro area, mm-hmm. they're like, no, we're fucking with Warnock, and so they put all this. They put Warnock at the top, at yeah. the top of that quote unquote two part that two person ticket, yeah. and they pushed him when he wouldn't initially was not, and that says something about politics, right? Because once they once. Um, white political operatives notice where the black voters are going. They're like, oh, that's the thing. So we're going to get put money behind that. But that's not initially where they wanted to go. Yeah. Right. They don't really consider black candidates real serious candidates, even upon winning the primary. Yeah. Until they start seeing black people responding in a way like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We've always been about the mm-hmm. Warnock train. Man. it. And we'll get back, back into Georgia in a moment, like later on. But, yeah. I mean, it, it's. It's just a game that we play every two to four years, and like you just get tired of it. Like, how many of these articles and 
data-driven reports and all this madness are we going to see where it says, yeah, like, no, you shouldn't talk about race or you shouldn't do this. And then black people just get angry. And like it's, it's just a cycle that you're like, man, I, I the, the sticking point for me will always be, and I know it's, it's not like this for everybody, and I know we moved on, it will always be those $2,000 checks. And the reason being is because I heard Biden, I heard both candidates, I heard all these people saying, if you vote for us, those $2,000 checks are out the door. They voted for you. And then it was, what, 1400 Because they said, oh, no, you had already gotten sick. So yeah. that's what I meant when I said. And I'm like, it's, that, yeah. it, it's, it's not a matter of, well, you owe me more money. It's a matter of like, no, that's not what you said, though. Keep your fucking word. Exactly. So You said something, keep your fucking word. You said $2,000 checks out the door, and now you want to come back to, because you got to vote for this man again. You got to vote for Warnock again next year. Yeah. Why? Why am I going to come back and vote for you? And that's the that's the crux of where we're at, right? Yes. Because, and by the way, we're referencing an article that came out on October 13th or 14th by uh, Eli Mistel. Um, he wrote for the nation saying Democrats are ready to abandon black voters again. It was based off an article in the New York Times that highlighted David Shore and his rise in the Democratic Party and how the, but the article was actually, um, you know, a kind of like a puff piece and saying he's how smart he is as with well, any type of thing when they're highlighting black, I mean, uh, white politicos, um, you know, it just it talks about how ingenious he is and how he's risen. And just to say, a 20-year-old working in a re-election campaign having a prominent role, and then at 24, he is considered, quote-unquote, the leader of the Democratic, um, part of the, at the forefront of the Democratic uh, 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 Party election strategy in 2016. And then at 28, now he has, a, he has the you know, ear of the president and the ear of the Crazy. Democratic leadership. Crazy, man. At 28 years old. Yeah. He has he has pretty much outlined how the Democratic Party should approach mm-hmm. their politics. That is fucking crazy it's, to me it's, it's, because I know <laughs> I, I don't want to get tangent, but it's it's wild because we know locally how hard it is right. for black talent, black political talent statewide to even get noticed. To and, even get plucked, and, and it's uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with being 28. No, and, you know, th- but, that's not you know, I'm not saying that you're criticizing the age, but there's something to be said that this dude and Biden is 70, whatever. How long has he been around? Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, this 28 year old kid has the ear of the president. 28 years old, ear of the president for a man who's served in the Senate. Been around politics, you know, probably longer than I've been alive. But you know what it is? It's confirmation bias. Absolutely, man. Because we're going to put, we're going to align ourselves with people and viewpoints that go along with how we see the world. And of course, Biden's going to be like, oh, yeah. And and, and it helps that this guy's under 30 mm-hmm. and he's like, and he agrees with me. So it, it pretty much tells Biden what he thinks he already knows about politics in his country and how it should function. There's something to be said about that, too. Yeah. What you said, confirmation bias, is that it's kind of how you get the ear of the president, right? Mm-hmm. 
is that you know you're not necessarily going to submit any critical information of his policies and his and, and of his administration, right? Because then how are you going to get inside? So, right. yeah, you give him these things, and you're like, yo, you're doing the right thing. This is what you need to do. Matter of fact, I think you've gone a little bit too far with this race madness. You need to pull it back a little bit more because honestly, I think that's probably what he wants to do. Along with this vice president and along with that entire administration, because yeah. you're looking at how do we stay in power for the next four years? Right. Because Trump is coming back. You got DeSantis coming. You got all these crazy nut job Republicans mm. and all these poorly educated white folk who are going to vote against you. Yeah. So how in the world do we ensure that we coalesce and that we stay in power? But I think that that's the difference to me is that. You know, Republicans, yeah, they want to get power back, but it's not that they don't want power just to have it. No, they want power to control. Exactly. Democrats want power just to say they're in power. They're not going to do anything with it. Not going to do shit with it. They just want to stay in power. It's like, yep, we got it. And it's like, damn, like, okay, well, what's the point of having it if you're not going to do anything with it? Dog. So, like, my that's my problem right now. Like, you have the White House. You have the Senate. You have the House. And y'all can't get shit through? Bruh. Y'all and don't and then t- you t- you got two senators holding up the initiatives of the entire country, two senators, Cinema and friggin' Ma- Joe Manchin. It's it's really interesting to watch that. <clears throat> My curiosity. So I, I'll be I'll be thirty eight at the end of the month. In ten to fifteen years, I'm really not maybe not even that long. I'm really interested to see how history records. We're going through a labor movement right now. Which we're going to get into feel that. like anybody is paying attention. Nobody, not a lot of people are paying no, attention. We got 10,000 John Deere workers on strike. We got the McDonald's, McDonald's workers on strike. Yeah. We had, man, like it, it's, it's every day somebody's going on strike and like it's being viewed as like, yep, these are just uh, individual. No, this is a, this is a real labor movement happening under the watch of yeah. a democratic president and I don't feel like we're getting anything out of it. But I think... I want to talk about that later. That underscores the problem, though, in yeah. that you have all of these workers who are trying to take back their power. Because yeah. for so long, we've had CEO and executive pay have shot through the roof. We had negative and flat wage growth for 30 years. And now workers are like, I'm fed up with this. I'm fed the fuck up. Yes. And so yeah. I'm going to take back what's owed to us. And it's like, you know... Yeah, that's that's going on down there. Mm-hmm. So, but like, don't, like, no. So, how in the world is labor supposed to be aligned directly with the value system of the Democratic Party? And there's such a split. Well, here's the here's the real real reason what's come, and we're gonna lean into labor in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem is, you have someone like Biden and the Democrats who are unwilling and don't have the political fortitude to do what needs to be done. Yep. They don't have the fortitude to be like, we need to burn this shit down because they don't think they'll survive the, the, the inferno. Mm-hmm. And what I mean, burn that shit down is f- let's let's pack the fucking courts. Yep. Let's go ahead and they you know, scared. Dog. Let, let's go ahead and push agendas that are going to benefit <laughs> the, the, the poor That's and scary. the benefit the progressive and benefit black people. Because what I do, what, what they don't realize mm-hmm. is that when you do those things, it helps every fucking body. Right, I always say black people are are the center of the political stratosphere in this country. Yeah. When you help us, everybody gets a piece. Absolutely, like it's literally that's it's, history has shown this. Bruh. Like it, from voting to education to whatever, you help you focus on black people, everybody gets to eat on this table. But when you focus on other people, 
no, nobody gets to eat except for those other people. It in that 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 ties into why I have such a deep criticism of Obama. In that I think it's viewed as like, oh, you just don't like him. And I'm like, no, it's the power structure that my criticism Mm -hmm. is underpinned by. Because, okay, let's just take Obama out of the equation. Let's just say it was Clinton. I would have had the same criticisms of Clinton in that this rising tides. I remember he used to say a rising tide raises all ships. And I'm like, no, bro, it doesn't. Like, okay, if we drown at six feet under, you lift that tide, then that means we're just going to be drowning four feet underwater. Right. So... If back to your point, it was a Supreme Court justice that said, you know, you got to be careful about packing the courts because it could turn in not in your favor. Yeah, obviously. Clearly. Okay. If right. I run a yellow, if I go through <laughs> a yellow light, I could potentially get T bone going through the intersection. So, right. yeah, like I'm not looking at this as, okay, well, what could go wrong? Like, that's that I always feel like with Democrats when it comes to. Issues that directly impact black voters. There's always a. We don't want to do that because you know it may hurt us down the line. Yes, like the filibuster. We can't. We can't get rid of the filibuster because one day we're not going to be in power, and they're going to use that against us. And in my mind, I'm like, motherfucker, they've already been using it against you. Like, what are you talking about? Oh, like. What it's are you, so what, infuriating, What man. are you on right now, bro? Like, it's what are you, so infuriating. Here's the funny thing. Mitch McConnell don't give a shit about tradition. At all. At all. If it means, if, if eliminating all, the filibuster meant to coalesce more power, Dog. he wouldn't even lose sleep over that decision. He'd be like, oh, that's all we got to do? Dog. Cool. Get rid of the fucking filibuster. And then I guarantee you, I guarantee you, Jason, when the Republicans take back over in t- entirety in 2024, because mm-hmm. they're going to run the slate in 2022. But when they take over in 2024... That filibuster is going to be gone. Whatever they need to do, and then Repub- Democrats can be like, "We, ha- we, you said don't rid- get rid of the filibuster." And Mr. McConnell's like, he's going to be like, "That was, you know, we're going to hit the fat Joe." Yesterday's prices are not today's <laughs> prices. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yo, you know? yo, it's, it's really true. It's going to be like soon as twenty twenty four when they have that luncheon or whatever yeah. when the new president takes over. Like Mitch is going to stand up and he's like, "Oh, by the way." Price of the brick going up. Price of the like brick going same. up. Yeah. Yo, and, it's, <laughs> and, it's like, and then walk out the room. Yes, yes. It's like, oh, like you, you could have did this two years. Like they don't give a goddamn about tradition, dog. Especially when filibusters laced in white supremacy. Man, it literally was. It literally was the holding holding pattern to black uh, the, to black uh, rights in the 1960s. They kept the filibuster in to prejudice black. Voters and black people. I was telling a friend of mine this not too long ago. <clears throat> we were talking about racism. And I was like, there's nothing in this country that's not tied back to racism. There's not a single thing yeah. that's not tied back to racism. So even when we talk about the history of the Senate in the House, and I'm like, okay, you, you're still talking about a traditionally racist institution, institution. and structure. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be racist. So <laughs> right. when you're talking about, no, we have to preserve. No, the fuck we don't. We don't. No, we don't, man. Like, that. that's not how, to me. But I think that's, and I, and I, and I know we're going to talk about it, but I think that's what's so good about this labor movement that's going on. Yeah. It's like, nah, like, no, you, you don't, you know, we're going to pay them $15 an hour to do this. And I'm like, you still realize that's not a living wage. $15 an hour is not a survivable wage. In the Orlando Sentinel, two years ago, they did this series called Laborland. And I remember there's this lady um, who was just so excited. She was working on her campaign and she was just the had all this energy. And she's and I, I remember one time I was talking to her, and I'm like, why are you so like into this? She said, because what he represents is what we've been fighting for. 
And I was like, okay, like I, I that's real. Like I got you. And she was like, y'all, y'all got to win. And you know, it wasn't like she was pinning her hopes on this one person. Yeah. But it was more so a long term vision. Like if we can get more people like this in office, then folks like me could properly get what we deserve. Mm-hmm. Dog, what I did not realize until after is that the Sentinel they were doing a series, and on the front page of the Sentinel is this lady who I've been talking to and was telling me how psyched she was, and <clears throat> she's sitting in her car. And the picture, this picture is burning my brain for the rest of my life. She's sitting in her car, and the only light that's coming in is the light from her phone. She's living in her car, dog. She worked for Disney and was living I in see, her car. I remember car. that article. I remember that article. And I'm sitting there like, I remember looking at it, and I was just like, yo, she's living in her car, and they were fighting for a wage increase for one of the most profitable companies, not just in America, in, in the, the world. world. Yeah. And- Two years later, we get an update on not on the Laborland series, but Disney. You know the the ten dollars kicked in, and now we, you know we're gonna get up to fifteen dollars in twenty twenty six for the state. But Disney has increased the wage to fifteen dollars an hour, and they were talking to all these people, and they're like, "There's just so much more that I'll be able to do." And I said, "The problem that we've had in this country for so long is that we've convinced people that there's no dignity in a certain type of labor, and so these people." who depend, not depend, these people who work these type of jobs are not worthy of our respect through wage increases. So if we give them the bare minimum, then we we tell them like, no, you, you, you shouldn't, you should strive to be more, you should strive to work more. Well, okay, if everybody was able to do that, then nobody would be working at McDonald's. Well, what nobody. you're actually talking about is, you know, we actually pin our respectability Based on how much you earn. Absolutely. Absolutely. In this country. Like, you know, the respect level for me goes up when people find out I'm an attorney because of this projected idea of what attorneys represent financially in this country. Yep. You know, um, when I walk into my daughter's school, I purposely walk in looking like a certain way, Mm -hmm. jeans, whatever, you know, look relatively young. I don't look like these other, you know, dads, clearly because of race and whatnot. But I'm I'm here for some reason, though, because I'm... In a, you know, a high-income neighborhood, right? right? And then the teacher finds out, we did a teacher meeting. And it's, I always like to see what their reactions is. And it's like a kind of like a casual shock. Like, oh, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, like, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like, oh, you're an attorney, you know? Um, because, you know, my wife has colored hair. You know what I mean? Like, it's like I'm like... In, in you know my you know sneaks and some jeans box like, man they put you in a box it's like and, and it's yep. kind of oh mm-hmm. okay we you didn't know? think that yeah and yeah. so um you know but it's we, it's just and it's just not white people black people do it as well it's instinctually because of the nature of what capitalism has seeped into our consciousness Absolutely. that we we grade people on their level of humanity on how much they've earned and that's why we that's one of the one of 50 reasons why Trump got into the White House, mm-hmm. because while it should have been a disgusting thing that a billionaire, a self, you know, a billionaire was going to run the country, it actually was a boon for him because it's like, oh, you know, yeah, although he's not really one of us, but he's one of us. Yeah, because like he's stupid just like I am. So yeah. that means that I potentially could, could be, be a exact- billionaire too. Right. You know what I mean? And so, like, you know, and again, we. If Trump was a fifty thousand dollar a year worker, mm-hmm. they'd be like they'd laugh him off his 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 um off the stage. They'd be like, yeah. "You're you're a fucking moron," you know. Uh, but because of his his money and and 
you know, his stature. So much that he represented, even from the gold toilets and him putting his name over everything. Like when we look at, you know, what he truly is and what he represents. Yeah. When it comes to class, he'd be at the very, very bottom. Yeah. Because it's the the argument. It's a not necessarily age old argument now. But when I hear um, like I still see it um, when Zuckerberg has on just the T-shirt and jeans, I'll see people like not a Gucci bill on the site. I'm like, you know, that outfit is probably 10 grand, right? His, his, it doesn't have any labels on it that you can see. There's not a big G. $300 T-shirt and it's $600 jeans and it's, it's $400 sneakers. It's ridiculous, man. It's so ridiculous. And Trump, on the other hand, like he has always flaunted his wealth. And I think that's why some people didn't like him. But I also think that's why rappers gravitated toward him. Because when you just listen to the music, like even Jay-Z was rapping about Trump back in the day. But just even even going back to, to what we were talking about, I don't think that, I think to me, Republicans have a better... They have their finger better on the pulse of their base, who their base is now, what their base is turned into, yeah. than Democrats do for their splintered different. It's not splintered though. It's not splintered. What I and here's what I, I we always hear that right. Like mm-hmm. Democrats, we have a diverse base, so it's hard to coalesce into it. Yeah. But I don't. I don't agree with that. I used to think that way. Okay. But I don't agree with that, and I would say this because, I mean, we're going back to Georgia. Yeah. Ralph Warnock and. I was, you know, I think Georgia was a perfect encapsulation of what politics is in this country. Mm-hmm. Centering the black voter in the middle of like the black voter actually was the one who delivered it. Georgia, Arizona was a was a nice little capstone, but when Georgia turned, yeah. it like it was really the finalization. They didn't really need Arizona, yeah, you know, but it was really the finalization. Like okay, yeah. you know, there and was a lot of excitement around it, right? And so. Pushing and not just Georgia, but pushing it, it, Atlanta, and Atlanta became what you know ostensibly became the center of the American political um, landscape, mm-hmm. right? And who's it, who's in Atlanta? Black voters. And what do black voters want? Black voters have very specific issues that they're trying to they want to protect. Uh, can you put a pin in that just a second? Yeah. What do you think is going to happen with Atlanta, though? Because you know. Uh, um, Lance Bot Mayor Lance Bottoms is not running for re-election, but Kasim Reed is trying to run for re-election. Yeah, I fully expect him to have a white mayor. You know, it's interesting because um, they almost had one re- regarding. She almost got beat. Yeah. They had to go to a runoff. They had to go to a runoff. And to me, she was reading the tea leaves and was like, "I'm already not that popular, so I'm probably not going to be reelected." Mm-hmm. And Kasim Reed is like, "Okay, well, I really like being the mayor, so I'm coming back." But I feel like this is like the last. Yeah, it- they're tr- it's and then I what, feel like it's turning back. White voters are trying to take back the Atlanta Metro yeah. area um, because it's for like against the last thirty years has been a black mayor. Yeah, and so you know they, I did see that like um, they almost lost the airport. Yeah, you know so uh, and like, a lot of things are turning. A lot of things are based on black political leadership and white leaders and especially business owners or business leaders in that area in Georgia be like we want Atlanta back. Because again, the airport and the and then um, I forget there's something else like the business, uh, the business. I forget what it's called, but there's like a there's a business um, uh, uh, commission mm-hmm. that gives a lot of jobs in that area contracts, and that's how black power and black money was actually has risen in Atlanta because a lot of black jobs were created by all uh, black people being within the power yeah, structure. Like they, they, the mayor, I'm going to say the mayor, but they control the, the airport and they were able to yeah, give all those contracts the roads out to black. And the, like everything was given off and jobs. And 
I can tell you, man, a few years ago, I when they start having shootings at Linux, mm-hmm. like consistently, not just one off, I was like, oh no, they're getting y'all out of there, bro. Like yeah. they're getting y'all out of that Linux. Like back in the day when I was growing up, it was Greenbrier and it was the underground. Like whenever yeah. I visited Atlanta, those are the two places we went to. Yeah. And like Linux was the height because it was Buckhead. Yeah. And like now it's every weekend you're hearing about a fight or a shooting at yeah. Linux. It's crazy. And all I hear is like there's just too much crime around this area. This is so like obviously this black leadership class. Yeah. Is not doing right by our, so like when I hear that we're talking about when you know we're still talking about Georgia, I'm like, I just don't know if like I get it, it was purple, so to speak, uh, a couple years ago, and I'm like, yeah, it's going back red. To me, and I, I could be wrong. I, I just I just don't think Democrats have done Oh no, it's going back. It's gonna done. go back red in twenty twenty two. Absolutely. It's going back red. Because number one, going back to that article, they said that um they have focused like the activists that pushed Georgia have been in the community, have been in the community Mm -hmm. and get uh, know what's going on in the streets have said, um, you know, it's odd to me that the democratic party kind of have forgotten us and they're taking the opinion of a 28 year old white man who's saying that, no, don't focus in on Georgia, focusing on other spaces. But they're like, I'm talking to black voters that got up and really, that we registered and got mm-hmm. and pushed mm-hmm. and you know, they're not excited. In fact, it's really, really bad right now. Yeah. And the problem is we went up and we were promoting Stacey Abrams in 2020. Remember she had got all that love. Mm-hmm. I don't know what she's going to look like in 2000, 2022. The landscape changes so, so quickly. Um, and, and honestly, like I've, I've that the article you said, I, I favored it because I want to see where we are next year when, um, it's like when the heat is turned up a little bit. So when there's more, more of a sense of urgency. So you know, there's going to be a strong. There's going to be so many people crawling all over the state of Georgia in, next year. Um, you know, consultants to organizers to all of that. So I feel like the the tempo is going to increase as naturally any election year. Absolutely. Yeah. So that that's why my curiosity is that how does that frustration turn over? Into votes or to non-votes Because I fully expect some of those people Who are like yo I'm just I'm mad at them I'm frustrated And then when it comes around There's always going to be like I'm still going to vote for them though But I think that there's there There's always a drop off We're talking about a midterm year There's always a drop off There's going to be a drop off So some the of the excitement is not going to be there Because so. they didn't do right by us yeah. And that's kind of where it is like, like as they're saying They're like yo We don't have anything to campaign on Yeah That's literally what the article said We don't have anything Like you we had in 2020. We had we got to get Trump out. In 2022, the Democratic people in Georgia are saying like, "Yo, we don't have anything. Like y'all need to give us something." Shit. Even Terry Terry um, McCollum yeah. in Virginia, yeah. he's literally saying he's a white man running Virginia, and Virginia's a Democratic state. He's like, "Y'all need to give me something to run on." Bro, I'm I'm, I, I'm struggling. I have nothing to run on right now. I'm still waiting. For how has Biden's response to the coronavirus been different than Trump? How? And I'm 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 honest to God, I'm not asking that as a gotcha. Mm-hmm. I'm re- I really want to know. I right. really want to know. We have the vaccine. The vaccine wasn't developed by Biden. It's developed yeah. under the Trump administration. Yeah, yeah. We we got some money or whatever. But how is this any different 
the state of Florida was on fire. Mm-hmm. California was on fire for a while, but even while we were at our peak, California was going down. Like, so that's what I'm saying. Like, what in the world has the difference been? Biden has said that no, we're not shutting the country down again. Right. But I feel like if Trump would have said that when we were at the height of the Delta variant, it yeah. would have been no. He needs to look at doing that because you got so many people who are dying. So if we're at seven hundred thousand people who have passed away because of this virus. I, I, the, the criticisms are totally different and the policies to not, I shouldn't say the policies, at least the, the PR part of this has been the same. Well, because, well, because Biden is quote unquote more likable yeah. than, than the other guy. Right. Yeah. And so he, and he's not, he's not outwardly trying to piss people off, which is really one of the reasons why I predicted he was going to win. Um, because I felt like, He's like your granddad who's going to give you a butterscotch when you come over to visit. I called it the Reagan thing. Remember, I, I, people don't remember this because politics, people have short memories. Mm-hmm. But I, I predicted that Biden was going to win based off of the unpopularity of the previous president. It reminded me of Jimmy Carter and Reagan in the sense that he was going to win states that were not previously um, Democratic um, based off of the model that I looked at. And, you know, the history that I saw, but nobody, nobody cares about that because I'm not in the White House, right? <laughs> I'm just operating a small podcast. But, <laughs> but um, you know, if y'all want my numbers, I can, I can break down the numbers. But, that, you know, but Biden ain't checking for me. Uh, so, but I say all that to say, I did offer, though, the caveat that, you know, if Biden gets elected, he needs to, he needs to um, operate with a new wave of progressive agenda in order to establish a democratic base for the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. If he does not do that, he will be out of office in 2024 and Democrats are going to get slaughtered. Yeah. And, but I say all that to say pivoting this into like union work and everything like that. Like the Democrats have forgotten though. They don't, they don't, they've forgotten their ide- identity. They don't understand their own identity. And, you know, when you ha- talk about the demonstrations happening across the country, they're actually a result of people getting tired of being the last on the meal line. They're tired of not getting, they're tired of not being of bad policy, 30 years, 40 yeah. years of bad policy yeah. in 2012. Um, Governor Scott Walker of Wisconsin mm-hmm. completed his Republican Machiavellian um, plot of getting rid of all the unions Mm -hmm. and you know, and he, you know, it was like all the reunion reform with the big thing. I remember they, I need to say they stormed the Capitol, but I just remember the protests at the Capitol when that was going on. Like you couldn't fit people into that building. Yeah. People were pissed off. Right. And I was watching that keenly and like, what is it? I'm like weird. Why are we watching Wisconsin politics? Like Mm -hmm. we got, we we needed some hobbies. (laughs) Jason. And that's another day for another Anyway, so I remember watching that and I was thinking to myself, that's really peculiar. But I always felt like, you know, the political tailwinds are gonna turn on that. Mm-hmm. Um, because people don't realize what's happening. I'm from California. I'm a big that's a big union state, and we understand the importance of unions yeah. and protection of workers. Yeah. And people in other states don't understand that. Like unions really do help the betterment of people's lives. Absolutely. And so when you're Taking away unions in a, that state, that's going to fuck people in, the, in a few years. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened in so that 2012, 2016. There was all this thing. By that time, Scott Walker was out of office. Yeah. 
And, you know, but people were like waking up and they're like, yo, we don't have any rights in this state. He carried out the mission though, man. And then people were like, yeah. yo, what happened? And then so, you know, they're all their rights were evaporated. And I remember this and I I remember saying this, even though Trump won Wisconsin, I said, Yeah, but he's gonna lose Wisconsin in two thousand eighteen. I said, I said, I said he's going to lose Wisconsin 2018 because people were waking up in 2016, yeah. and in 18, Wisconsin had a blue wave. Yeah. And then I said, I said, all right, Wisconsin's going blue in, in 2020 because of what happened in 2012. And I say all that to say is that if we're not paying attention. What's happening in 2021? It's going to come in eight years. Nine years, six years, whatever, it doesn't matter. We're going to see the after effects of what's happening, and it's not just going to be a one-off. And the Democrats have to get their their minds around, this is not just the basis of people being pissed off today because of living wages. This is a base of 40 years. But if we don't understand the output of rage and concern that is happening when everybody from John Deere to friggin' McDonald's employees Bruh. are doing um, economic demonstrations, what is that really saying? What are we talking about? One of O.J. Simpson's uh, attorneys. O.J. Um, Simpson? Yeah. Back on the murder trial back in 94. <laughs> he said something, because uh, somebody asked him about the Black Lives Matter movement and, and things that were just going on in the country. And it was more of a frustrating question because it was like, why aren't these things changing as quickly as the movement has been able to insert itself into um, the zeitgeist, so to speak? And he said, because change is like an ocean liner. It's, I, I always say that, actually. It's slow. And I was like, that's a really good way to describe it. So I think we see the ocean liner coming. It hadn't gotten here yet, though, to me. Right. Because even, um, you know, I, I fully expect Rikers Island to be closed in the next few years just because you have so many inmates that are dying. You have all these protests that are happening up there. And you have all these activists that have been uh, begging and working and organizing around closing Rikers for decades and i think now we're getting to a point where like yeah okay maybe we actually should do something about it but i think that ties into the labor movement that we see happening in this country because it's oh man look even the writer strike what five what was that 10 years ago i guess yeah 10 years ago so it's that's what i'm saying like it's it's happening in front of our eyes but because our society seems to move so quickly we, we tend to forget about these things so when you know you mentioned John Deere McDonald's the IATSN I think that's out in in California or in Hollywood um you have all these uh, uh stories now about how you'll pull up to a Taco Bell drive-through and there'll be a sign that says we all quit mm-hmm. so don't know what you're going to do but we're all done and then on the other side, you see signs like nobody wants to work, so we don't. But that's those aren't just exclusive to those singular entities. Like that is overall a movement that we're seeing happening in this country. So back to your point about how you know you watched it in 2012, and 2016, 2018, 2020, and that that's why my curiosity is where in the world will we be in ten years? Where you have one side. Like DeSantis, who the other day was at some speaking engagement, and he said, as long as I'm alive, you know, as long as I got breath in my body, we'll never have an income tax in this country or in this state. And I'm like, it's in the Constitution that we can't have an income tax. Yeah, you're a fucking moron. Yeah, like, come on, man. Like, you, you people don't realize that. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, you, I, I get what he's doing. I, I understand. It's politically, it's politically bright because 
people don't read the fucking Florida Constitution, and yeah. they don't even. They don't even. But I'm like, why do you think we have it? It's not because you have governors that just. It's in the Constitution that we can't. So that, that's why, like, eventually, all that is going to come to a head, and I think in some ways it's going to be violent, I, I, because you can't revolutions. And I'm not saying we're in a revolution. That's what I'm. But revolutions aren't neat. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. there, there usually is some kind of bloodshed. I, I cannot remember the country, but this is like the second or third time. Is it Britain? I can't remember. But this is like the second or third time one of their politicians has been stabbed to death, stabbed to death over the last like five or six years. So I'm I'm not predicting that for America. I'm not saying I want to see that happen. But what I'm saying is you have so many people and so many workers who have been shit on by this country. By our politics and by our government, and people are pissed. Yeah. And it's not a Trump. I won't, you know what? It, no, it's it's not that. It's I can't pay for my basic needs. Now let me ask you on the other side of it, because maybe be critical. Yeah, I'm a business owner. Yep, Legit, legit. You know. Yeah, I grew up in business. Actually, my parents, grandparents. Yeah. For those small businesses that cannot afford to a price increase, mm-hmm. a rate rate increase for their employees, yep. you know, like, hey, you know what? I would love for everybody to have livable wages, $25 an hour, yep. you know, $30 an hour. Mm-hmm. But I can't afford that. Should you be in business? I'm not asking that critically. I'm, I'm just tra- asking. I'm saying that, you know, okay, so your argument is that if you can't afford it, so the business shouldn't, shouldn't exist. No, no, that, that's not necessarily my argument. I'm asking because on the, the inverse of that, I've heard that statement. Should you should you shouldn't be in business if you can't afford a rate increase? Yeah, because the inverse of that is like, okay, well, I, I, I you can't pay me enough to where I can afford a car, and it's like, well, should you buy a car? It's like, well, damn, how am I supposed to get back and forth to work? Like the, the onus has always been on the worker to make the sacrifice and to figure it out. So for the business owner, then, okay, I'm going to turn that around and ask, should you be in business? So my my uh, answer to my own question would be, to me, this is just me, the government has to do more to help small businesses to ensure that they are able to continue to operate. That was actually going to be my, my point. Yeah. I was going to say that I don't think it's fair to levy that on a entrepreneur who wants mm-hmm. to earn income mm-hmm. by saying that, Hey, you know what? I want to, I want to be able to, um, I have this business idea, but I yep. can't afford it right now to give people a living wage because I just started this business. And honestly, if you know anything about business, it takes years it's gonna take a long to, time. to get profitability. Yeah, absolutely. So with that being said, there should be government, government initiatives mm-hmm. that help prop up businesses that are trying to do the right thing. So I have a, a criticism of that, but not from uh, the small business perspective. Because I, I agree with you 100%. It's not, you just, yeah, I'm going to start this business, I'm going to pay people $30 an hour, and we're going to be good. Like, it just doesn't happen that way. Mm-hmm. My criticism of it is that I think America, especially now where we are with our economy, is that we are pushing more people to do that because it's cheaper. So, for instance, um, you know, Uber and Lyft for a minute, we thought they were going to drive taxi cab businesses. We thought they were going to drive them out of business. That seems like that's happening now because if you tried to catch an Uber lately, depending on where you are, dumb expensive. No. I, don't even, I don't even fuck with Uber like that anymore. Right. Taxis are, are cheaper now than for you to get an Uber or a Lyft. 
So the business model was that okay, it, we can we can get regular folks to use their own vehicles yeah. to deliver your food, to take you to the airport, to do all these things. So we got all these independent contractors. So you need to have three or four different independent jobs to make ends meet. And so then we turn that over to uh, you know small business and business owners. You need to ensure that you have enough capital to operate. To take care of whatever your business is and to also ensure that you're paying your employees a livable wage. And livable is in the eye of the beholder because depending on where you are and depending on where you live, that livable could be different. $15 an hour to me is not a livable wage, especially in the state of Florida, because you can't afford to, especially if you have a family, you you can't afford to do much. Right. So what in the world is the government going to do to make sure that we are properly underpinning our small businesses, which for decades we have said is the, the fuel to our economy. And we've completely switched over from that because we've allowed, you know, different entities to come in and break that up. So from Google to Amazon to Uber to Lyft to even net, I'll even throw Netflix in there. Is that there's all there, there's this isolation that we've created with our economy, and it's just like, all right, you know, we got a labor movement going on. We have small business owners that are hurting, and then it's like there, there's this we're trying to pit both against one another, and that shouldn't be the case. Our ire to me is trained on the wrong entity, in that no, the government is supposed to be here to assist to me. And that we like, okay, we're not, the government to me isn't doing enough. And I'll even levy that criticism toward some local entities in that if you have small businesses that are failing right now, you're probably going to have a bunch of small businesses to even close over the next year and a half to two years. What are we offering besides a PPP loan or pay tech, pay, uh, uh, where was it? The, uh, the IDL. Yeah, like what are we offering besides these loans and some of these small grants? And like what are we doing from a government perspective to ensure that our uh, not social safety net, but that just our economy is not crumbling? And I, I think it might be a little bit too late because we injected all this money because now the criticism I hear is that there's too much inflation. And it's like, well, the government controls all this shit. Like, to number one, all this shit is fake. You know what I'm saying? Like, none of this is real. Right. Like, inflation isn't real. That's something that we created. Like, the Fed isn't real. Like, the Fed is a real entity. But when we talk about are they going to increase interest rates or whatever, like, this shit isn't real, man. Like, that's that's not tangible right. to a lot of folks. It's like the stock market isn't real. So, we're, we're playing all these games with lives. These aren't just, like you said, you're a small business owner. Mm -hmm. That's your life, man. Yeah. So, like, what in the world is the government doing to ensure that lives are not ruined and we've created these these silos like everybody's operating out of a silo you know my DoorDash driver probably has three different jobs to ensure that he can put food on the table at night so that was afford to drive DoorDash absolutely yes <laughs> like how crazy is that right. like even when it came to Uber I think at one point they may still have it you were able to get a car through Uber so that you can continue to drive the room but like the cost of getting the car because you were just renting it basically mm -hmm. it was like a lease but it had all these different restrictions on it it was basically taking all your Uber money so it's like you you're able to be put into the cycle it's almost like a payday loan yeah. where you get it and it's like dang i had another expense to come up so i'm gonna have to push this out so i'm gonna have to get another loan and i feel like the the federal government over the last again 30 to 40 years it's just been a slow decline to where we are now and now it's we ain't giving y'all no more money like that's free money no that's that's money to survive yeah, yeah. money to survive yeah. so in turn and like you know we have and i'll end with this we have all these rental assistance programs mm -hmm. that are out. We have the state 
county, local government. Everybody got a rental assistance program. What if you own a house? What programs are there out there? There ain't, there, there ain't none. They right. It's always well. You need to work with your lender because no, I'm I'm not. I don't need to you know stretch this mortgage out anymore or to get any more. I need some help. I need money to pay the, the mortgage, mortgage, dog. Yeah. Like that's that's so like that's what I mean when I say like we have isolated so much to where you know we're angry at the wrong things. We are angry at the wrong things, and. It's, it's tearing us apart to where now, okay, now you got a, this big old labor movement that's going on. Now you see this frustration that's happening in Georgia. All this shit isn't just, you know, just like, oh, okay, like that's happening. Like, man, how we get there? Like, that's Every, happening. That's happening. Life, life, um, there's always a, a singular energy within life that ties in more than we realize, right? Yeah. And I know that's kind of like in a metaphysical realm, but I do believe it. I think these things are not happening in the vacuums of its own space. Mm-hmm. Is happening for a reason. Absolutely. And we have to figure out what is the what is the you know political tie-in to all these things. What is the en- political energy tie-in that's to all these things? And a lot of it's rooted in capitalism. I hate capitalism. I know, but it's rooted yeah. in. But our, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's rooted in capitalism mm-hmm. and our capitalistic mentality towards um, just people. Yep. You know. Yep. And our viewpoint of you know, we have to prioritize certain things mm-hmm. in order to get to in order to um, get votes. Yep. Hence the infrastructure bill. Biden, for whatever reason, has said that this is the bill. This is the political capital in which I want to I'm put to hinge my presidency on this. My presidency is going to be is going to win or die on this particular bill. Yep. I don't know what focus group he focused on that got him that <laughs> initiative. <laughs> It's a listen. I, it's a great idea, but even when the bill started, I was like, oh, "Okay, this is a good." Now it's been stripped down so much. Okay. Like even now, like the one of the the central parts of the of the um, environmental portion of the bill is gone it's now. Out, yeah. It's gone because of Mansion says I we got to put take Mansion out clean is, energy is cinema and put well yeah yeah. Um, or cinema cares about she she cares about the uh, um. The medical. I don't think she cares about anything. She don't care about anything. She got all that money from uh, big owners. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, coal, coal and gas has now replaced clean energy yep. in the damn infrastructure bill yep. that was supposed to help America for the next twenty years. Mm-hmm. But because you know Joe Manchin is receiving benefits of one point one million dollars between him and his wife That's yearly. A big ass yacht, man. That was such a yo. That's thing. what I mean, yeah. man. Like that's what I mean. But like he's receiving one point one million dollars a year, yep. um, based on his investments within the coal and gas industry. That's cr- first of all, that's fucking crazy, right? So like, here's this person who can really dictate the entirety of the next twenty thirty years mm-hmm. of this country, but his personal interests do not vest with the interests of the country. But because he is a singular vote, he's going to be the reason why. Things are never going to change, and it's primarily based off of his pockets and you know his investments in the coal industry, in the gas industry, you know. And I forget, I forget the company um, that he's actually um, heavily invested in. If I look, I can find it. But you know, it, it shouldn't be this way, man. It shouldn't be this it way. Really shouldn't. It, this this reminds me of why. Um, Democrats are obsessed with the West Wing. And by the way, the uh, the, the companies are Energy Systems Incorporated and Farmington Resources Incorporated. Yeah. Um, and so, 
which he has a stake and he said all of his health in a quote unquote blind trust. I, I, I do trust. I know how blind trust works, so I'm not a fucking moron. So, <laughs> but whatever. Everybody else is right. So anyway, <laughs> oh goodness, but no, nah, it's is you know Democrats in general are, are obsessed with the West Wing. Like the Obama administration was obsessed with it. Apparently, the Biden administration is obsessed with it. So, um, the mythological his, beast of this white the white oh voter, gosh, man. like his uh, press secretary Jennifer Pulaski. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember they did a, a profile on her about four or five months ago. And like she's sitting at her desk, and like the look was like, I want this to look like I'm in the West Wing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck is up with y'all with this show? Like, and I'm not gonna lie, at one point I was obsessed with it too, and I watched it not too long ago, and I was like, yo, this shit is terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, this show is bad. And, and because the writer, number one, he goes off Aaron on his Sorkin. Oh my gosh, like it's just a bad show. It has some good elements, don't get me wrong, but just overall. But it reminds me of an episode where Josh Lyman, he got really mad at this um, House member who just would not do what the administration needed him to do. Mm-hmm. He's holding up this piece of legislation. And basically, he threatened him. He said, all right, all right, look, bro, if you don't do what we want you to do, we're going to run somebody against you and we're going to beat you. So you need to get in line. And, you know, he got tapped on. And he was like, yo, you, you can't operate that way. He was like, why the fuck not? Because we are trying to do something good for the country. And we got this one person who's in our way. Um, and I wanted to get him out of the way. So I think I want to say he got suspended or something like that. But it just reminds me, I'm like, Biden has been friends with this dude for how long? Yeah. And you mean to tell me there's nothing that his administration can do or threatened so that this dude can get it? I'm like, the photo of him standing on the back of that damn yacht. Right. It's like da- why looking down we, on yes. voters and telling us why we cannot move I'm forward. Like, this is why we are here. Like we, yeah. we have Reverend Barber who was up at uh, Cap because you know he's leading the poor people's campaign now, and I, I I just feel like we romanticize so much of the civil rights struggle and even so much of the end of Dr. King's life when he was trying to get the poor people's campaign started, and that I hear or I see it a lot where it's like you know well King would have did this or X would have said that or Ella would have did this, and I'm like dog you know you're in a moment right now where we could use that kind of energy right. But nobody's willing to sacrifice. Like I'm, I'm putting myself the, in that as well. We don't have the political fortitude to do what needs to be Not done. Not at all. And no. I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with that. I, because I don't, I, because you know why? My capitalistic fortunes require me to continue working. That's the thing, man. We are so tied, tied to it. I cannot. I want to lose my car. I want to lose my job. I want to lose, lose my status. I yeah. don't want to lose my end with the administration or with whatever. I'm not willing to sacrifice that for y'all. Listen, let me keep it. Let me keep it a buck with you. I've been approached to run for office mm-hmm. several times throughout the years. Mm-hmm. My my statement is that my literally my lifestyle does not meet what I can do. I cannot stop working, yeah, for X amount of months yeah. or a year mm-hmm. to run on a full hard campaign yep. that I may not win mm-hmm. because you think I have the I have what it takes to be a, a political leader, right? And and, 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 and keep it. I'm mean, gonna just keep it a buck. And my kids. Cannot be forced to sacrifice because yep. of my own endeavors. It's one thing to start a podcast, but another thing to stop working all completely, completely, completely on a fool's errand. It's like, all right, well, what am I going to do if I lose? Right. What are y'all going to do to help me if, gonna I do if I lose? If you, y'all going to y'all going to re you know, y'all going to refund me? Man, this- look, especially when it comes to certain positions, it's like, okay, let's just say I do win for this position. Like, you might have to take a seventy percent pay cut. That's another thing. Like that's the like the, that's, that's the other. If I win, now I'm getting paid less, so I stop working for six months to a year, mm-hmm. 
and now I'm making less than when I was originally working. Yep. I'm tied into this capitalistic, so I cannot. And I think that goes back to a criticism of the system overall is right. that, you know, <clears throat> we don't, I don't think we pay elected officials enough in certain positions, certain positions like congressional, you get, y'all get paid a decent amount. Now that could be extrapolated out depending on where you are, but six figures is a decent salary, especially yeah. when you compare it to what some people are paid for. And your insurance, you get tough. Absolutely, you get. Absolutely, um, what they called it the golden, um, the golden, golden parachute, golden parachute yeah. package, and so yeah. <clears throat> and then for for certain positions, it's you know, and maybe maybe people don't know. Like there are you know, especially for your state lawmakers, they get paid less than thirty thousand dollars a year. Twenty eight, twenty eight thousand and change. It, because it's considered to be a part time position. What politician do you know? Yeah, <clears throat> that works it well does this part time. You can't. You can't do it. You can't. So the system to me, and I understand why sometimes the pay is low, is because, you know, you have politicians who will, who will you know, uh, so-called use the system, yeah. you know, to their advantage. So, you know, you keep the pay low so you can so-called. But that has not worked. That has not worked. So Well, it's worked in a way because what happens is, Jane, you know this, mm-hmm. um, only a certain type of politician gets Absolutely elected. Yeah 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 because So it has it, worked in that way Because a person who has Come from financial means Or financial backing mm-hmm. It's why you get the same Type of people in Tallahassee Yep Right um, That like Are creating the laws mm-hmm. Because they're not necessarily They're running for power Not because they need the money They don't need the money They've already got the money Yeah you're not running For any of those positions Because you need a job No You're running it because I want some power Yep Not even $15 an hour you know what I mean? And yeah. so, like, I, there was a story. I know we're diverging here. But there was a story. It was a young lady. She running in, um, forget what county, running for state representative. Mm-hmm. And they were talking about, oh, she's a 24-year-old. It's a white, white woman. 24-year-old. She's running for state house. Blah, 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 blah. Then we started kind of, peel, and then she, like, she just got graduated college, and then she's in, entering the politics, and she doesn't even have a car. Like, like or she doesn't even have a home. Then you started kind of peeling back the layers a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think you know who I'm talking about. Like, I do. And then start peeling back the layers. Yep. And you're like, oh, but her parents like millionaires. Yeah. Like, like, and she lives at home. But the home is your, like, when you think that someone living at home, but they live in this grand estate. So crazy, man. And so, like, yeah, she may not have any assets because she chooses not to, because she's going to be all right. She's fine. It's, she's it's, totally fine. We generally do not have that type of infrastructure in our home environment. <laughs> And it's it's going to take another, you know, uh, social and economic movement for us to get there. So, you know, there, there will always be black people with money. Mm-hmm. Always. Doesn't matter. You know, the, you always going to have a few. Right. It's like the uh, when we talk about, you know, you have black billionaires now. And I was like, well, you can still count them on one hand. Mm-hmm. So I don't want us to get caught up in the fact that, yeah, like Oprah's a billionaire and Jay-Z's are like, Jay Z's not building it, but but you you get what I'm saying. Kanye's the richest richest man on earth, according to, according to his wife. Are they even married? Yeah, they're still I, married. I okay. They're still married. Legally. I don't give a shit. So, <laughs> <laughs> like w- when we get to that point, we start talking about those things. Then you can you know lower that little. You can come down a little lower. So like when your when your kids are perfect example I have is that I was watching. A, I, I got to delete TikTok off my damn phone. Oh, um, no, don't delete TikTok because I'm going to start promoting my law firm on there. Right. Like, I'll look up and I'm like, I've been on this damn thing for 30 minutes looking at videos. Oh, and yeah. 
But I, I came across one with this black girl um, who was, uh, I think she had just graduated college, but she said, I was on the phone with my dad and she said, uh, my dad's an entrepreneur, but he's also a millionaire. And he told me, you know, uh, you do what you got to do to get that money, even if you have to eat oodles and noodles at night. So, you know, he was trying to give her some advice on how you need to get that money, so to speak. And her her thought wasn't like, yeah, I got, you know, like he's right. Like he did the same thing. I got to do it. Hers was. Why do so many black people, older black people think that your children have to start from the bottom? <laughs> She's like, he's a millionaire. Mm-hmm. Isn't that the point? So right. that your kids don't have to eat oodles and noodles at night. Like, you didn't do that mm-hmm. because you wanted to. You did it because you have to. So why would you want your children to do that? So It's, quote, unquote, to understand the worth ethic of how to, like, once you've learned how to earn a million dollars, you learn how to better keep it. In yes. theory and practice, it, right? Yes. And, 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 and on one hand, I understand where he came, I understood where he was coming from. I but say, not, I'm not saying I agree. I'm just no, saying that, no, no, no. that's the point. Yeah. But I also know for, and this isn't just, this isn't, you know, germane to just black people. But to me, again, just to me, if you have earned over a million dollars or you ha- you're a millionaire, you have a million dollars in the bank or over a million dollars, there's no way in the world that I'm going to allow my tribe, my children to struggle. Because I know what it took to get to where I knew the sacrifices. I know, and nine times out of ten, if he's an entrepreneur, entrepreneur and a millionaire, he's absolutely sacrificed time with his children so that he could get there. Mm-hmm. So, to me, I'm not going to allow that to happen. So that when I, I hear this term so much now, and I, I just don't think we know what it really means. In that, I always hear uh, we need to create generational wealth, and. I think ways that we supposedly do that isn't what that gentleman, you know, and, and maybe honestly, and again, this was just a little two minute snippet of a conversation. But you're right; it's not it's not how we um, create generational how we create general, generational wealth. It's Smith and Williams trial. There you if go. You I need, like that. If yes. you need a will or a trust, um, we can help you facilitate your dreams of creating a new generation of wealth for your both your kids and your family. This ad is sponsored by the Smith and Williams Trial Group PLLC. You can reach us at eight 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 SWTG Law. Now how, back to our regular schedule program. That's how you do it. That's how you do a good podcast. <laughs> Thank you for the LAU. Absolutely. That's how you do it. That was LeBron the way. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's you it. know what I'm saying? You walked away with your hands away. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. You saw that picture. That, yeah. That's what it was. That's exactly what it was. But yeah, like I, I think, you know, when we when we start to talk about that, so in 10 or 15 years, like, you know, you want your kids to be in a, a good position. Like right. I honestly I, I've told my I've told my my kids are really young, but I've told them, I'm like, look. I don't ever want you to believe that, you know, number one, I'm not kicking my kids out when they turn 18. But number two, like, don't ever, ever in your mind think that you can never come to me for help. Ever, ever in this life. If you have anybody, as long as I'm still alive. A breath breath in my body. You can always come to me for, I don't care how upset you may be, how embarrassed you may be, how pissed you may be, or how angry you think I may be. I do not care. There's always going to be a person in your corner. Always. I do not. You can always call. If you say like, dad, I just can't pay my, all right, what's the amount? What's the amount? What you need? I got you. Yeah. Like, so that's, that's my, like, I don't want my kids to have to go through what I had to go through. I don't want my kids to have to experience what me and my mom had to experience. So like, that's how I think we, we start to make these leaps up on the staircase. Right. So it's not just a capitalistic 
mindset to where like you got to go out there and get it so that all right so when we come back to this going back to what i was saying about you know millionaires and 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 billionaires and in that when we get to a point to where we have maybe your daughters may want to run for office one day i'm just saying right so that in 20 years it's like i don't want them in a cesspool of politics but i hear what you're saying i don't want my kids in it either yeah but 20 years from now if, if they decide to make that decision you set a foundation for them to where if the system is still as it is right now, right. They don't have to worry about that. They don't like, man, like I, I really want to do this, but I just can't afford to take a $36,000 job. I got you. All right. If you were, if my daughters decided daddy, I want to get into politics. Despite or they want to start a business. Well, let's say politics right yeah. now. Start a business. They're, they're going to do that. That's off the jump. Yeah. I already have plans for that. One. Yeah. Um, when they turn six, anyway, that's another podcast. I got you. But yeah. Um, yeah. So if they decided to run for politics, and they're like, "Daddy, I want to, I want to, I want to be state senator," mm-hmm. and after my vast protest of why they should stay the fuck out of politics <laughs> <laughs> and focus on something else, um, and they decide still mm-hmm. decide to do that, yep. they'd be like, "Okay, here's what we're gonna do," mm-hmm. and you know, we're you're not gonna have to worry about working if this is what you really want to do. Yeah. We were going to take care of you, and you're going to. All you need to worry about is focus on doing the, doing right by people. This is how they have always used the system because I mean they created it, right? So it's always been set up for them to succeed, right? And so for us, it's always the you know you have a choice. It's like you can do this, but <clears throat> in some aspects of your life, you're going to fail. Now you know you may not fail at this, but you you may struggle. I shouldn't say fail. You're going to struggle in another area. You may struggle to pay your rent. You may struggle to pay utility bills. But you're doing something for the greater good. So once we get to a point to where we can set our kids up for success in that, and maybe you have more. And obviously, again, we don't run it, so it'll probably be changed. But my point <clears throat> point that I'm attempting to get across is that we honestly to me collectively we have to get to a point better to where we just have community set up for all of us Mm -hmm. and it's not just for individual gain and success Uh, a friend of mine he really because i've I've always said our our society has become too individualistic but he was like no no we haven't he was like we're just too isolated he's like yes it's it's okay for you to be an individual we're just isolated we're very isolated that's a really good way to describe it no, they we are really good ready to describe it. There's no communal aspect to no. the way we see a world. Even I said I keep interrupting you. No, you're fine. My wife yesterday, I'm throwing, I'm calling her out and throwing her under, <laughs> under the bus with this one. She was telling me about, oh, you know, the neighbor came by the other day and he asked for a ladder, but you weren't home. And I said, well, which neighbor? The guy. I said, who are you talking about, Carlos or you know Jim? Yeah, I don't know. I'm like your wife. I'm like, what you mean you don't know? You've been living next to people like almost five years. Like you don't know who you, the guy, the realtor, oh, the realtor man. guy. And I'm like, Carlos. Then you're asking, saying Carlos came by and, and asked if we had a tall ladder. Yeah, I said, baby, I'm gonna say something. You're gonna have to know who these people are. <laughs> they literally live next door to you. And she says, well, they don't know my name. I was like, touche. They yeah. know my. They know my name. You yeah. know, obviously. But it's like, but. Yeah, the fact that matter, I have made it a point to know all my neighbors' names, cross the street, mm-hmm. you know, around me, or at least try to know yeah. as much of them as possible. Now, it's funny thing, I went around and I tried to do the whole thing, like, hey, let's all get together as neighbors. They're like, all right, that's cool, dog. They never worked out. Yeah. Never yeah, worked yeah, out. Yeah. yeah. But it's cool, you know, but everybody's like, this is my own personal space. Now, mm-hmm. if I go over there and ask for something, 
you know, you that's know, one thing. That's one thing. But, but I'm not inviting you all the way in, yeah. into my home. Yeah. Because we don't, we ain't doing that. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that says something. We're not inviting you into my home. We as a nation has gotten away from the communal aspect of mm-hmm. society. And to that point where we see things in such an isolated manner that we may look at these protests, these, you know, wage protests and be like, that don't affect me because. Absolutely. I still have a job and I'm making X amount of dollars and yep. I'm not an hourly worker yep. and my life hasn't changed there there that involves them. But what we don't understand is when certain people protest, then the system stops working mm-hmm. and then the system stops working. The modes of living start to be in a, it start not to be effective yep. and your Amazon package is not showing up anymore. Dog. You know I'm I mean? telling you, man, <laughs> once it gets down to the micro level yeah, and you don't see that either that Toyota Prius come around the corner that you always see dropping off packages in your neighborhood or that yeah. big prime truck. Yeah. Then it's like, OK, maybe it is starting to. But I think that's that's part of the problem. Going back to you, what you said about, you know, a community in that um, we were um, we were having dinner with some firefighters one night. And I remember. I was criticizing Amazon's, uh, I think it's called the Amazon key where you can give them access to your garage and they'll yeah. drop the package inside your garage and then they'll leave. I was like, man, I'm just not in this firefighter. I was like, oh man, I love it. Like I got it. Like a matter of fact, I was uh, on the side of my house and they were dropping. I saw the garage go up and he came in and dropped it. I was like, you good with it? He was like, yeah, yeah. He was like, oh man, I got so many guns in the house. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, whatever. But your crib, I'm, you know, you do whatever with you, you know, with, but that's to me, that's not necessarily building community because it says, again, going back to, you know, what we said about inviting people into your home and looking out for one another. Amazon has to get access to your garage because people may come to your house and steal your package right in front of your crib. Yeah. You mean to tell y'all ain't got no na- nosy neighbors? You ain't got none who are going to look out to see like I, I grew up with a whole bunch of them. Right. I remember one time uh, the house that was next to us. Um, I grew up with their grandson and uh, we didn't have a chimney, but we had, you know, c- central heat and air or whatever. So it was a bunch of steam coming off of our house. And I remember uh, the guy, his name was Kurt. He called over. He was like, uh, you may want to check like your house. I see some smoke coming out of the back of your house. I just want to make sure your house ain't on fire mm-hmm. or whatever. And it just turned out to be some steam. And I remember um, my mom's first reaction was what he won't. Yeah. And then I told her, she, she was like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, that's cool. Because they were the nosy neighbors because yeah. they were always trying to get in your business. So in that instant, it was, no, he just, he really and truly was just looking out for us to make sure our house didn't catch on fire. But the initial thought was like, what they being nosy about this time? Yeah. And so now it's, I got a sense of distrust. Yeah. I got to let Amazon into my, into, because there's so like, we all got so much shit going on. So much individual stuff going on. You got to take the kids to soccer practice, to ballet, you know, practice. You got to go have a drink with your homeboys or whatever. So ain't nobody ever at the crib, it seemed like. Mm -hmm. So now you allow these uh, porch pirates to come and take the stuff. And so Amazon is like, I can get into your home even more now. So not only is Amazon listening through your Amazon Echo, Mm -hmm. now they have access to your garage. Yeah. Now they're going to drop off like what's the next step in that and that we have allowed our privacy to even be infiltrated by a corporation. We'll allow corporations into our homes, but we will not allow our neighbors in. That's very interesting. And I will say, though, give credit 
one credit to my neighbors. Um, one night, he's he wakes up dumb early. Mm-hmm. Not as early to me though. <laughs> but one morning, I just happened to be, it was like five in the morning, and he kept calling me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm not gonna put the name out there. Yeah, yeah. But then I was like, yo, hello, what's up? Oh, I was leaving for work, and I saw your garage is up, and I just wanted to, you didn't know that your garage is up, and I don't, you know. I know it's really. I just want to make sure y'all were cool. Just make sure everything's okay because you never leave your garage open. Yeah. I was like, oh, damn, thanks. You know, now thankfully, you know, I live in a neighborhood where um, I was in the, my garage being up didn't put my family in danger. Yeah, Plus, yeah. I got guns too. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah, so yeah. keep that on, you know, right. on that front street, right? So, but I thought it was pretty cool that he called me. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, like, dang, would I have done the same thing? Called him and because I've gone running in the morning and I've seen people's garages up and I'm knocking the door like, hey man, your garage is up, man. I was like, oh, they just left the garage up all night, you know? Yeah. And, you know, but yeah, I thought that was a, that was really cool for him to look out for you and look way. out for me. Like, it's not being those are like, hmm. yeah, like I, he, he never leaves it open. So, never like, leaves it, make is, sure. is everything okay? Yeah. You know, um, you know, and so my wife that was like, hey, you being nosy. Man, <laughs> you know, but I mean, but it's I, I listen, I don't I don't mind I don't mind people knowing mm-hmm. trying to be high, hyper sensitive about what's going on in my world. Mm-hmm. Because you want them to be like if somebody's going to your door and to pick up a package that you like that don't he don't look like he lived there, but yep. he's circling around the home cuz he sees like, you know, you want to be able to be like, "Nah, you know, it's it's not necessarily lost everywhere. Mm-hmm. We we have a community where I get weekly updates from some of the folks in there. Because matter of fact, this lady she uses her ring doorbell to send me footage of suspicious vehicles. She's like, I've never seen this car before, and he's been rolling around the neighborhood for the last couple of days. I've attempted to say something to him, but I don't feel safe, so I want to make sure that. And I'm like, I appreciate that. I'm not a part of your community individually. But because of the work I do, I am a part of your community because it's it's part of my job to look out for it. So it was it wasn't a hey I it was it, honestly it was a me and my neighbors didn't like X Y and Z. So like I know there's still communities out there that are like I'm not you know that that's yeah. not a blanket. No, criticism, no, I know, but I know what you mean though. I'm yeah. not. I I'm I'm in the same. I understand what you mean. Yeah. All right. So let me ask you this because we started off talking about white. Holsters yep. controlling the narrative, and I mentioned Hillary Clinton. Yep. One of the reasons why Hillary lost mm-hmm. is because she got so data driven, and she lost the human aspect of her campaign. Now, no- notably, people don't like her personally, but you know, it was this. Um, I think it's been well notated that a lot, all her brain trust had offices in, in these in these expensive office spaces in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and they were running the entire campaign out of yeah. Brooklyn, New York. And it was like it was they were so detached from what was happening around the country, you know, and um you know to the point where Hillary used their analysis and polls and market research and market data to generate an idea of how to it was hyper focused on particular voters, yep, and that along with other fifty reasons why she lost. I feel like Biden's in that same space. Mm-hmm. He's focusing on getting a guy who has really no real, I mean, no real history. And in fact, um, I think there was a, 
the within that article, it he admitted that Shore has quote unquote cloaked himself in the aesthetics of data, but he is not doing any rigorous, reviewable work demanded of others that are actually in the field. You know, so some of his most influential theories, though plausible, but has never been truly laid out the evidence of why we need to prove them. It's almost like, you know, you, you got the study and been peer reviewed. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it makes a lot of sense on data points. Yeah. Right. And the data point is going to come back in 2022 mm-hmm. when we're actually elections and they're going to Biden's going to get buzzsawed. Yeah. And he's going to be looking like, oh, shit. Like they ain't really fucking with me. And I want to he's going to then he's going to spend the next two years trying to figure out how to get reelected. Yeah. But then at that point, you know, the House is gone. The Senate's gone. And, you know, and actually I saw something really interesting um, nationally. Uh, even though in 2020, although uh, Democrats had 18 more million votes than Senate Republicans, they still, in 2018 rather, mm-hmm. uh, 18 million more votes than Senate Republicans, they still lost two seats. Yeah. In 2020, it took them having 26 million more votes than Senate Republicans, and they still only had a 51-50 lead. So the, the the makeup of this country is like there are more Democratic voters, but it doesn't matter because, you know, the way things are set up is that, you know, if in fact um, there's incrementally less Democratic voters show up, even though we may have more than Senate, the, um, more than Republicans, they're still going to lose the House and, and the Senate. Yeah, man. You know, yeah. and so Biden's looking at it like basically like in 2024, um, even if Democrat wins fifty one percent of the two party vote, they're still going to be at the bottom of the electoral abyss because they're not going to have the uh, the makeup in order to get enough seats. They're probably projected to lose more seats in twenty twenty four than they are in twenty twenty two. Again, like we, we talked about this, I think before. <clears throat> excuse me, we came on air mm-hmm. in that um, it's just a continuous cycle, man. Like we just, I feel like we're just going through the motions at this point because mm-hmm. we did the same thing in 2010 when the bus all came and, you know, the picture of Obama with this, um, you know, <clears throat> mouth closed tightly and looking down sad, you know, he's like, yeah, we, we got, we got destroyed. Um, Which Biden was trying to not have the same as it's weird. It's like he, he, he tried to avoid Obama's, Mistakes in 2010 yeah. And he ran right He did He's like He he did, he did Instead of a 180 He did a 360 Right back to the same Inflection point It's it's just like man Y'all are on autopilot it, It's again Like you, you keep trying to Go back to this time When Like there's not gonna be Another Clinton There's not going to be Like I, That To me Because even Okay let, let's even use Clinton as an example mm-hmm. What happened in 94 Yeah like it, that's what I'm saying. Like it's the same thing. Yeah. Newt yeah. Gingrich came into power, and then next. So it's it's not as if we have not seen. This is like the fifth sequel. Yeah, and we keep doing the same thing. So this, you know, this notion that we're focusing too much on race to me, that's we're focused too much on black people. It's not just race. It's because everything goes back to race. So if we're not addressing the problem, and you keep going after these so-called symptoms. Where it's, you know, it was the Black Lives Matter movement. And then, 
you know, they try to assign defund the police to the Black Lives Matter movement. And it's they, like, yeah. well, then, no, we, we can't do this. It's like, well, no, you are. And, and here's a, a criticism that I do have of Democrats in general and, and AOC and Ilhan. They all fit into this. You adopt language of activists and you try to use it in politics. And then when you adopt that language, there's this thought that you have to not only just adopt the language, you have to actually work to do the things that you to to right. do the things that you're saying you're going to do. You so performative adoption of these, yes. these activists. Um, so then you yeah. get then it's like, well, why are you criticizing people on your own side? They are the ones that are using. We never told them to. And, and I'm not using we as if I'm included in that. Yeah. But it's like. Y'all chose to use defund the police. We never told you to do that. Right. And then when it came back, well, whoa, wait a minute. We we can't like that's you adopted the language. Yeah. So then don't come back and say it's a criticism of Black Lives Matter and activists because we never told y'all to do that. So right. Democrats are are always there's this like AOC. She was, you know, she was crying when they went to go visit the kids in the cages, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And then she, you know, voted present. For the Iron Dome, when it comes to funding for Israel, so right. and then she cried about I, I, I let everybody down. Okay. Yes. Okay. But again, you have used the language of activists to yeah. get your yeah. foundation set to prove that you're different than all these politicians. But then we look at your voting record; you're not that different. So it, it was Ilhan. She came out the other day and she was like, "Margaret Thatcher is one of my political heroes," and it's like that's a red goddamn flag. <laughs> to me, it is because Shout out to all the red flags on social media. Yeah, like, like it's right. like, yo, yeah. no. Right. But again, you're adopting this language of activists who are not politicians. They are not in politics. Yeah. They are the ones that are up and they are organizing to get Rikers Island closed so that, okay, we can go to the, all right, you see, we got all of these people behind us. Yeah. We got all this data that we can show. Now it's time for you to actually do something. Then we come to the politicians with that. So, Democrats are are doing that. They performative was perfect. They perform. Yeah. They perform. They put on a good show, but there's nothing behind it. So when it comes time to vote, and I, again, I'll, I'll go back to the two thousand dollars. Those two thousand dollar checks are going out the door. They never did. And then when black voters, because the criticism is always like South uh, Miami didn't show up, Dade County didn't show up, or whatever. And it's well, why in the hell did you think they would? Well. It- even if you didn't, the checks are one thing. But if you're not going to push in a legislation yep. that is going to be centered on us v- uh, voting rights, why the fuck are we going to put y'all back in power? Dog. Like, why? Why are we going to do that? Like, we're not the focus of your of your administration when you have the power. You've had the John Lewis Voting Act, and I, I got my own criticisms about that bill. But we talking about bare just just bare minimum yes. coverage of voting rights. You can't even get that passed. You can't even get that passed, and or it's not even a priority. You Biden admitted that's not a priority of this. Yep. That's not a priority. We're we're focused on the um the infrastructure bill. Yep. What? Yep. Negro. What? And you're not a Negro, no, but no, no. you know what I'm saying. <laughs> right. But like, but I'm but going like, to continue to come out and vote for a party that has never. Never, never, never put my knees at the center. If at the bare minimum, yeah, voting rights should be the should be the the center point of your administration. If you die on that hill, I'd be like, all right, at least he died on a fucking hill that represents our needs. Yep. But you're gonna die on a hill that's on a stripped down infrastructure bill that don't even meet the demands of what the people who are protesting yep. right now. So like, what the fuck are you even doing? Yep. You know, and so like, I'm looking at it like, yeah, the people in Miami Dade. 
or Jacksonville or whomever, they're going to be like, uh, you know what? I can't point this shit to why why I should put him back in power because he doesn't ha- he's not willing to do the things. Not only he's not willing to do the things in order to make this country better, right? But he's not willing to do the things in order for me to justify why I should take my ass down to the voting booth and throw some D's on that voting card. So we're going to actually I want you to close give us your closing uh thoughts on this man and we'll you know we'll rock wrap up. Yeah, I think um this entire conversation, I think, is is you know kind of based around. Um, obviously, we talked about politics, but I think it's it's, it's based around turnout. Yeah, in essence. So, if we see in twenty two and twenty four that black voters or minority voters or however you want to classify us, uh, we don't turn out to the level that it, you know will come out to help Democrats, then it's you know you kind of let the party and the country down. So it's when Obama said, you know, you need to come out to vote so that, you know, you can preserve my legacy. And it was like, nigga, what legacy? Right. (laughs) So in turn, it's not are you coming out to save us? It's why should I come out and vote at all? Right. Because it's it's not. It's it's going back to what you said in 2012 that happened in Wisconsin. And the labor movement that's going on across the country and all these other movements that are happening all simultaneously, you know, what's the connection to that? So once we go back to the polls next year and in 2024, you know, what can Biden say specifically independent of you do not want these Republicans to get in because they're going to make your life worse? We know that already. Right. We've experienced that for centuries. We know what the alternative is. But you have to give me a reason to come out and vote for you. Right. If you if the only reason I'm coming out is to save our country and community from Trump, from Republicans, from right wingers, then you've not given me a reason because it's not up to me to save the republic. It's not like I made to, to and this is just personally made that decision years ago. I will never, ever, ever, ever go back to just voting because uh you telling me my ancestors died for it mm-hmm. because all my ancestors didn't die for that. Mm-hmm. But secondarily, it's not up to me to save it. You have to give me a reason. So whenever I'm working campaigns or I'm doing this work, so to speak, in air quotes, I have to give you a reason to go out and vote for the person that I'm working for. Yeah. So when it comes back to the Biden administration, you don't want Trump to come back. Tell me why I should continue to give you my vote so that he won't. So if you can't point to anything that has ostensibly made my life better, then you failed. I haven't. Right. It's not up to me to save this country. It's up to you because you were the one who wanted the power. So if you're not going to do anything with the power, you can't blame me. Mm-hmm. You can't. So when we have this discussion about overall, again, just overall about turnout, you have you don't even have a year anymore. You got some months to get your shit together. And then after that, you have two years to get your shit together because Biden is going to start campaigning probably in 2023. And then obviously, you know, we'll be back to this hellscape in 2024. What are you going to do for me to go out and put my get grab my pencil and bubble in next to your name instead of it being I just don't want Trump? Because if we're back at that level, Democrats are going to get raised. So I'm going to say that I'm going to raise you by the fact that it sounds to me like it's an emotionally abusive relationship. Absolutely. And when you look at look at the relationship between the black people, between the Democratic Party and, and black people, 
say the blacks. I just sounded <laughs> like Trump. Um, you know, it's like a person who is, hey, you know what? I know there's, I know I haven't treated you the best, but you don't want to be out there single because the next guy coming along is going to be way worse. So instead of instead of telling me why I should stay with you mm-hmm. because you want me to live off of fear. Mm-hmm. Why don't you show me why I should stay with you? Because you've given me a standard of love yep. and affection that I can base my decision on. Yep. And Democrats haven't given you anything based on love and affection and actual actual showing of, you know what, intentionality in their actions, right? Mm-hmm. What they've done is based our voting for them on a, there's always a much worse guy. <laughs> so guess what? Yeah. You want to stay with the devil you know. Mm-hmm. And it's worked. It's worked. And it always will, honestly. And it always will, right? Yep. But at some point, it's going to get to a place to where I'm just so tired of this relationship and mm-hmm. I'm walking away. And guess what? It is not my job, to do what you just said, Jason, to save this relationship. Mm-hmm. It's not my job. It's your job because you want this relationship. Absolutely. It's not my job to save It's not my job to save this home, which is the home of the country. Yep. It's not my job. I. It's abusive for you to put all this burden on me mm-hmm. to save all of this when I am not in the position of power to do so. Yep. You are in a position of power because I put you in that position. So what happens when I don't put you in that position to control my destiny? You're going to have to figure that shit out. And what you're going to realize when you figure that shit out, that it's going to be your life was a lot better when I was in your life than when it's not. In. And what you realize is that you focused on every single person in this world that you wanted to bring into this relationship mm-hmm. When in reality, I'm the foundation of your fucking success. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you want to decide to leave me for somebody else when I was your lover and your secretary <laughs> working every day of the week. <laughs> you know, so That's you, real though. you decided to leave me yeah. and you know, for the, you know, the person that Never helped you get there in the first place. Absolutely. Guess what's going to happen, though? Yeah, man. I'm about to walk out and I'm about to burn that fucking BMW and go back in my house. And leave. And leave and let you see what's going, what your yep. life is going to be like. Yep. You know, because I'm not dealing with this shit. And you can actually decide to dis- to do what you're going to do, but I'm your changing faces is not going to be in front of my mirror. I'm going to push you in that wheelchair and throw you in the bathtub and turn around. Ooh, a Tyler Perry reference. Yeah, man. Like... <laughs> You know? I tell you what I'm not gonna do though, as I'm pushing you, I'm not gonna have to pimp a butterfly on. Oh fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> and with that being said, man, we're gonna ride out because we're talking about changing the faces of you know Democrat Party changing their face, you know, once in, from election season to not election season, and us being a relationship. So you know, if you like this podcast, we're gonna ride out um, and continue to support us. And um, I thank y'all so much for. This first season, we got a couple more episodes left. Um, but yo, thank you, Jason, and we gonna ride. Appreciate you. I finally did it.